the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please, please be seated. <clears throat> In the mid-1860s, cuttings from a grapevine from America arrived by ship in the south of France with the intentions of introducing American rootstock to European vineyards. However, the clippings brought with it a little nasty bug called the wine louse. Here we go, that's our little friend right there. Now this louse thrives on munching on the roots of vines. And when the louse arrives in a vineyard, the vines die within a few years. And the louse starts to make its way across the vineyards of Europe, killing vines one by one. The pest would eventually destroy two-thirds of the European continent's vineyards, including a majority in France, Spain, Italy, Switzerland, and Germany. Remedies such as pesticides and field floods proved ineffective and impractical. Initial efforts to introduce American rootstock had failed because of the new varieties withered in the French soils. That added to skepticism among the Europeans who had already, were already wary because the Americans imported the root that brought the pest with it in the first place. At this point, they were desperate for a solution. So the French reached out to the American botanist for help. Now, one of those botanists they reached out was a man named Thomas Volney Munson from Denison, Texas. Now, Munson was known for his pioneering documentation of native grapevines in Texas and the Southwest. Wine historians consider his 19th century research to be among the biggest influences on the beverage as we know it. Munson had some good news for the French. He had found and sent specific disease-resistant grapevine cuttings to France. The farmers then grafted the grapevines to the Texas disease-resistant roots, literally binding them together, and then crossed them with local plants. This plan of creating a new disease-resistant root stopped the continued destruction of the vineyards and saved a range of delicate French grape varieties including Cabernet, Merlot, Pinot Noir, and Chardonnay. Even now, France grows wine grapes rooted in the descendant of Texas native plants. I thought this story was interesting because in it, I see similarities between the pest, the vine louse, who was destroying the grapevines, and sin, which can destroy our lives. Both the pest and sin, if left unchecked, can spread and lead to total devastation and death. And as we enter the third week of Lent, if you haven't already, now is a good time to examine our lives and see if there is anything in our life that may be leading us down a path away from God in which we should seek repentance for. And in today's gospel reading, Luke is stressing the importance of repentance. It's so important that he used the phrase, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish twice in the first five verses. I thought we could spend a little, a little time thinking about the meaning of repentance. Repentance is a transformation of one's essential being, a turning from evil to God in total obedience. It affects the whole person and claims all of our thoughts, words, and deeds. 
Repentance is a change of both mind and will. <clears throat> Scripture tells us that the kingdom demands repentance, and those who do not repent will not enter the kingdom. Repentance also means that we recognize that another way of life is better to the way which we've been living. And it signals our commitment to live the better way. Repentance is not apologizing, confessing, or being sorry for getting caught. That is actually good, but is also worldly sorrow. It is not the same as godly repentance. In fact, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians in chapter 7, where he says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves. Godly sorrow is what leads us to confess our sins but also to the repentance and changing of our heart about the sin altogether. In other words, it is not just regretting our sin or feeling bad over them or feeling guilty about them. It is a true desire to allow God to transform us altogether. Godly sorrow causes us to turn away from a behavior or habit and change our minds and hearts. Paul says that a godly, uh, worldly grief or sorrow leads to or produces death because there is no change of mind, no change of heart, or no change of direction. Going the other way in forsaken sin and without godly repentance, therefore, is death, eternal death, because there is transformation or change of heart. Now, Charles Spurgeon rightly reminds us that is not... It is not talking, but doing. Not loud profession, but quiet, practical godliness that wins the day. Spurgeon is pointing out an important truth, that true godliness can only be achieved when we completely reorient or refocus our lives to Jesus. So during this season of Lent, reflect on those things that you have felt the nudge to repent and then seek out God remembering that there is no better time than the present St. Augustus gives us a warning about procrastinating God has promised forgiveness to your repentance but he has not promised tomorrow to your procrastination now if we look at verses 6-9 through nine in today's parable about the fig tree we learn that the fig tree has been growing for three years and has not produced any fruit yet, much to the frustration of the vineyard owner. And the owner wants to cut down the tree, but the vine dresser intervenes and convinces the owner to give the tree one more chance. See, the fig tree usually reaches full maturity in three years, and if it's not producing fruit at that time, it most likely never will produce fruit. But the vine dresser wanted to give it a second chance. 
like the vine dresser, it is, Jesus, is always Jesus' way to give us another chance. St. Peter and St. Mark and St. Paul would all gladly witness to that. God is infinitely kind to those who fall and rise again. It is not important how many times we fall and rise. It's just important that we try that, and we do not allow ourselves to stay in that fallen position. So let me ask you to consider and reflect on what fruit we are all producing. Are you seeing growth in your walk with God? Do you see yourself becoming more loving, more joyous, more peaceful, or more patient? Or are you sitting on the ground growing more angry and uncaring? The true discipleship requires true repentance and then becomes a lifelong process of sanctification in which we become more like Jesus every single day. So today is the day we rise up and begin again. The fig tree in the parable was planted in a vineyard and had many advantages that other fig trees necessarily did not have. It was planted in good soil and was well taken care of by the vine dresser. But despite these advantages, it was not producing any fruit. Christians are much like the fig tree. We have the advantage of God's grace, the forgiveness of sin, and Jesus who cares for us like the vine dresser cared for the fig tree. And when we allow Jesus into our lives, he will dig around our tree of life and he'll uncover little vine louses that are sucking the life out of us, bad habits that lead us to sin, that suck the spiritual life out of us just as it's beginning to take root. As difficult as it may be, we need to allow Jesus to dig these things out of our lives. And as we clean up those habits and behaviors we have been holding on to, there will be more room for the Holy Spirit in us. And as Christians, that is our charge, to bear fruit to grow in our Christian witness and to make disciples. Like the fig tree, we cannot produce fruit if we are not being fertilized by the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In order to be fertilized, we need to spend time in God's word every day. And yes, we hear God's word proclaimed every Sunday, but that is not enough. Just like an athlete who trains for the Olympics or any other sport, they train every single day for hours. They don't train once a week for an hour and then think they're going to win a gold medal. They have a goal they want to reach, and they are intentional about the time they spend practicing. Now, Christians have a goal also of being more like Christ every single day. So we need to be intentional with our time and practice every single day. Now, the season of Lent is a good time to start the practice of reading the Bible. <clears throat> if you had given up something for Lent, you can use that time to spend in God's word or considering adding it to your daily routine. But not just reading the Bible. We need to spend time digesting it, soaking in every word we read, much like the fig tree soaks in the fertilizer. We 
need to spend time in prayer and listen to what the Holy Spirit reveals to us about what we had just read. God will speak to us and reveal his plans for us through the scriptures. And don't rush through this time. It's going to take practice and perseverance. Especially in today's world, we are so used to instant gratification and expect results right away. But we need to resist that temptation to give up and press on. It's when we spend time in God's word, soaking it all in, then we can start to bear fruit and become more Christ-like every single day. An important point of this parable of the fig tree is that it gives us a sense of urgency to bear fruit. See, the vine dresser intervened and saved the tree, but it only has a year to produce fruit. That's exactly what Jesus did for us and continues to, to do for us. That was the point of the cross, Jesus intervening and giving us a second chance. Think of it this way. We are living in a grace period. We're all familiar with the grace period when for car payments or house payments or that it's due on a certain date. But you have time after that date before it's actually considered late. We are actually living in the grace period. So there is an urgency to bear fruit. We cannot follow the, mo uh, the motto of a procrastinator, which I tend to do some days, who says, why do today what I can put off until tomorrow? We need to act and act quickly. There is no time for procrastination. So what new actions, practices, and behaviors can you begin now that will reflect the love that God has for us and the love we have for God? And as you spend time in God's word and in time and prayer, he will reveal to you what you are called to do. And when that is revealed, we must be obedient. This is at the heart of repentance, obedience to the transformation. It is also part of the Great Commission, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Because we walk with God, we will be strengthened by his presence, and we will find hope through his love. That makes all the difference to us. When times are difficult, we have the assurance that we are not alone. We know that God is right there alongside of us and will help us. Our faith will keep us on the right path, turning towards Jesus and bearing fruit. Our faith in his love will help us to keep us moving forward on that path. It will help all of us to do the right thing along the way. And as we make mistakes and things don't work out, his love and tender care will give us strength to get up again and keep moving and walking forward. So I join you at this Lent in being like the fig tree, rooting out all the pests in our lives so we can bear much fruit for his kingdom. To God be the glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.